Hi everybody, and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us, and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. To celebrate one year since the release of the Golders podcast, we decided to release a special episode today. Normally, we do have two hosts, but today, Keith Mayer features on the podcast, so we're turning one of the hosts into the guest. As many people will know, Keith is a best-selling author, Premier League Academy coach, mentor to many, many people, including championship managers, international footballers, and more. And he's also a speaker. We sat him down so you could find out more about him and what he does. As our listeners may know, Goldust is sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. Now, obviously, with today's guest, he's very familiar with the term Goldust because he's the one that sprinkles the particles of knowledge. I think it's more suited to ask where they got the term Goldust came from and why it became so prevalent in your life. Well, I started to use the term Goldust many years ago, David, on courses I delivered. So Goldust for me is where someone conveys a message that influences another person's life for the greater good. So effectively, it's it's the use of words or, as I like to use the term, verbal vitamins, that it empowers and enriches others to take positive action uh, or to help make them feel good. That's really where it all started from. So many years ago, in actual fact, I've been using using the term Goldust. And then when we... When you and I uh, co-authored and came up with the idea of uh, writing a book, it just felt right. Hmm. Now, uh, for, for the listeners, they'll be familiar with the term Goldust now. And within the book itself, there was a story that has somewhat gripped people around the world. So we're going to move on to that, the Lone Wolf story. Can you share with us a bit about that story and what led to your curiosity in the first place? I've been coached for just on four decades. I came and stumbled across a young man that hardly ever spoke, never spoke to anyone during practice or games. And, and when I say never spoke, he literally never spoke. You go in the dressing room and you know, not nothing, even if you asked him questions, you would get a grunt or a, the absolute bare minimum. So... Having quite a large group that I was working with at the time, it was very difficult to actually bring him or highlight what was, I thought might have been an issue. So rather than emphasise the issue, we just let it slide and just let him be who he was. But then uh, Christmas of that particular year, I um, sat at home and thought there must be more that I could do to help. Whether, I, whether he needed the help, that was more the curiosity than anything else is what was I not doing or what could I be doing to actually help bring out this character? Because there's a soul there. He showed through his actions and his authentic self, but 
I then contacted the parents and spoke to the mum, the, the child of the player, and just asked just a general question, really. How was Christmas? And then asked about the boy. And she said it was great. And listening to the mum, she really gregarious and lively character. And I just asked in, in the moment, I said, do you have any other children? Of which I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know anything about the parents, didn't, anything to know, didn't know anything about the family. And just that one question opened up a, a, a different world for me. It opened up a completely different experience to anything I've, I've been through in my life in, in coaching and working with people. So I asked, did you have any children? She did, they did. They got there's five, including this young lad. And he was, I asked, is he the eldest, the youngest? He was the youngest. He's one of five, but he was the youngest and he was a twin. And his twin sister, as I understood it, from the mum who actually openly said he's a very quiet boy. I said, yes, he is in agreement. She said, yeah, his twin sister did all the talking for him in school. Now, that was a light bulb moment for me because I thought, now, do I start working with the, the twin sister, which wouldn't have been appropriate. But then I asked whether I could speak to him on the phone and we did. We're on... Uh, we're on hands-free, so the parents could hear what was being said. And I just asked him, I said, how was Christmas? And and he said, fine, thank you. Now, you've got to bear in mind, he never, never spoke. And for me, that was quite complex for him. But then he, in that moment, I mean, just listened to his, his words. Well, he didn't finish the conversation with, Yes, fine. He actually asked me, how was I doing? Did I enjoy Christmas? In which I nearly fell off my chair. And, and I thought that might have been the medium to be able to communicate with him. So that's where the, the, the lone wolf story initiated. That's where it was initiated. And my curiosity from there was, how can we now help him if he needed help? But actually uh, giving him freedom to, to just be himself and... From there on in, it was a, a wonderful journey. That, because one of the things that I've not mentioned is the, the cultural differences, because he wouldn't look you in the eye either. So having done a little bit of research, it's important to actually get to understand who you're working with and then start to experiment because you, one size doesn't fit all. So you've just got to experiment there on in. It was and has been and continues to be a, a wonderful journey that I've been on because he covertly or overtly taught me so many lessons without actually saying anything. I actually learned about myself, about how to actually conduct myself and how to communicate or probably how to live in silence a little more around players where we actually want to inter interject or communicate to them and sometimes they don't want it just leave them alone how much of an impact has that particular experience had on the way you approach and deal with people yeah I think as I mentioned I, I reflected on that the curiosity really helped to drive me through wanting to get an outcome and wanting to actually get success and you really really didn't know whether it was or it wasn't it was a eureka moment certainly a light bulb moment when he actually asked me questions 
because you know they might not be able to do that. You you can then ask them to to write things down or draw things. Which can you write things and explain things to me rather than actually asking them face to face? So for me, the learning has been massive and continues to to challenge me because I don't look at similarities what I now do is look at people differently and each player has that uniqueness that they bring to the party and what we've got to do as coaches is be very we've got to be very flexible to work around what their needs are as opposed to our needs we've got to readjust our style of delivery and equally be very mindful of the the non-verbal stuff that players emit and equally, as I say, you've got to give them a bit of space to to interact with each other. Uh, and obviously, it's all in context because when you start, can't have long drawn out conversation with young players because they're not interested in that. But if you show a keen interest in what interests they have, whether it's a dog or they've got other animals or they've got a sister or brothers, etc., etc., I think that it's all out. So. It certainly engaged a different part of the way I deliver from probably being more command. Uh, and I think there's a place for it as well. But equally now, it's important to, to to be asking more rather than telling. Now, as we know, as we've, we've just been working on it and it's finished, mm. there is a second book coming out, which on topic is called The Lone Wolf. Can mm. you talk a little bit about that and what people can expect from it? Yeah, I mean, we're really excited about it. And obviously, for those that are not aware of it, if it wasn't for you, this it just wouldn't be happening. Uh, you've been over in the States for on and off for over 10 years now, and we speak daily. We don't drink or smoke or anything like that. We're, you know, we're not in each other's pockets, but you played a, a big part and a huge part in this. Uh, and I'm sure we'll draw into the first book at some point. But the, the second book, which really excited about, it's a, it's a story about assumptions, authenticity and action. And really what it goes into, it highlights the importance of authenticity, you know, the risks of assumptions and the power of action. Uh, and so if we reflect on those that are listening here now in, in life, everybody, everybody has a different, unique qualities uh, and they bring that to the party. Uh, it's what makes us authentic. Uh, but but sometimes we make assumptions about others based on what, what we see instead of trying to find out more about the person. So just because somebody may be silent doesn't mean they don't possess, you know, good mannerisms, good actions, or even may provide value for the greater good. But uh, it's important that, you know, when people are silent, it doesn't mean we have to invade the world and tell them they need to speak out and speak louder. When people are silent, maybe due to issues we're not aware of. So you know, this new book, The Lone Wolf, is a, it's a story of a wolf who is different from any other, uh, any other uh, member of the pack, and it has a uniqueness. And uh, we're really excited about it because in, in our first book, which was a bestseller, uh, number one bestseller in in the UK for just on nine months, and it was it reached number two in the US and uh, three in Australia. So we're we're excited about what this is about. Although 
albeit slightly different book. It's more of a, a self-help book, but it's we're, you know we're really excited about it. And that for those that are listening, that will be out very very shortly. We don't have an exact date right now, but it is coming, and it is coming very soon. So just. Keep tracks on it. Uh, it'll be out and we're excited to release that one. So anyway, look, we'll move on from, from that, the lone wolf, from those experiences. Dad, for you personally, if we go back to your earlier years in coaching, what things have changed from when you first started? Oh, yeah. For me personally, David, my, my method of delivery and the way I'm more mindful of the impact we as coaches have on young players' lives. When I first started, it was pretty much uh, command style. That was the way it was and that's the way it is and you do as I tell you. Well, now, if you start to delve into what players already know, players are very educated around watching. Uh, they'll go on FIFA and they understand formations. They'll understand names of players. They might actually understand how they play as well, how these famous players play. So there's a greater understanding from the from the youngsters' point of view now. So we've got to dovetail into that and we've got to tap into what they know and help take them somewhere else with it. And, of course, if we, if we look into the word coaching, then... Where did that derive from? And it's it really is transporting people from one place and taking them to another. So coaching derived, as we understand it, back in the early 1500s, maybe earlier, but certainly in the 1500s, uh, from uh, a little little town, little village of, uh, of the Danube uh, called Kochi, which is spelled K-O-C-S. Now, I'm sure there are other little derivatives and other, other little stories around it, but the, the story I tell is that what they built in Kochi was they built carriages. And so as a coach, I believe we're, we're carrying valuable cargo and we've got to make sure we, we, we do that with care and we do it with meaning and we do it with, with, with detail, but for, for sure they've got to be uppermost in our mind and our thoughts. So transporting them and taking them from where they are and helping them become something greater is really what it's about. So my coaching has changed dramatically and it still evolves. It's still changing. I'm still, even though I've been in the game and around the game for many years, I'm still constantly wanting to know and learn and become better at doing what I do. And, uh, you know, no man is his own island. So having lots of good people around to be able to tap into and I'm sure you'll be asking questions around that surely, but it's important uh, from my perspective to keep moving and not stand still. Otherwise the grass grows over you and you, you become a, an has-been rather than something that adds value. And as long as I continue to add value, then that keeps driving me. A lot of people won't know this. I'm, I'm obviously familiar with it. Um, and those that are, that are particularly close to you but for you growing up you, you grew up on a council estate you spent a lot of time out on the streets playing football and adventuring and climbing and doing all of those things I know there's a, there's a few stories that that we could tell that, that would provide a laugh including one where you 
he actually fell through a garage roof <laughs> from climbing. So you you did a lot of that growing up. School wasn't at the forefront of it, of everything or, or of much of what you did. And you could barely read or write while going through school, which when we take it to obviously where you're at now and what you've done, um, speak, speaks volumes. But your dad, my granddad, uh, was a builder and he was a man's man. And he would say things exactly as he felt in the moment. He still does. He doesn't hold back on that. But one thing he was, was he was, uh, and still is, he's just set on his values and his beliefs. He knows what he stands in or stands for and what's important to him. For you, how did your upbringing shape the values and beliefs that you have as a person? Thanks for sharing the falling through of a garage, which my dad, if he found out now, he probably won't be very happy with me. But uh, We'll have to play this podcast for him. He'd be made up with that. I, I did mention that I didn't fall through the roof and it wasn't me. So uh, after... Best part of fifty odd years, he now finds that it finds out that I've been telling porkies, uh, which really comes down to, you know, that where my values and beliefs come from. I, I think it's very liberating to be able to share certain things about what my mum and dad were about, and uh, where at that point they didn't know any different about parenting because that's what it was at that time, but. From from their beliefs and how they believed things needed to be done, my dad was an hard worker. He was a builder. My mum was worked in the in the mills, uh, up early, bed late. Uh, they lived a simple life, and that certainly that certainly helped my part rather than complicating things. As you rightly say, I could barely read or write going through the schooling process. Uh, it's only when you leave school and thereafter you then get your PhD and your doctorates and in in other aspects of life. But they, just their hard work and their honesty uh, as parents and uh, what that has helped do is help shape who I am. So the hard work that needs, if things need to be done now, I just, we just get things done. The sincerity that, my dad holds and still holds very near and dear to his heart. Uh, and the honesties, that's very evident for anyone that's ever met him. But for those that have not, it's a unique experience, that's for sure. And that has outshaped who I am, but a little bit more subtle. Uh, and I think really what you do, you become a become a, a model of your parent, but then you just look towards things that can help to become better than what the childhood that I had. And I didn't have a bad one. It was what it was, and we lived with what we had, but we never needed anything, uh, but it was very basic. From from then having children, you then look towards wanting to raise standards, and my dad always, even when I played football, I never really got any prayers. So in an indirect way, it, it did impact me that, there's, there's no doubt. I think it impacted me, and it was quite deep-rooted around what things I felt I'd done well, but in his eyes, I could never please him. So when I got, when you came into my life 29 years ago, and then your sister very recently turned 25, it, it helps to change things and how you how you shape their lives and what I didn't have in terms of 
not affection. I, I, I think my dad provided affection, but in a slightly different way. What we wanted to do for you as your mum and myself, we just wanted to give you everything that we could. And that, and that's what that's hopefully what's taking place and will continue and that unconditional love and affection that we have. It'll always be there. And uh, my dad in his in his own right, he cares massively, but he's, he didn't you know show it. I think it was that era. You know, when your sister and yourself get children, it'll it'll change again. So you always wanna you want you want things better than what you had, and I, hopefully that's taking place. I'd like to think that uh, that has happened. Mm. Uh, and I know to touch to touch on my granddad who talk about affection is his way of showing it is he'd give you a chocolate bar or a, or a bag of sweets or whatever. And it's interesting. People, anyone that meets him, they just love him. So wherever we go, we, we go into the opticians and they don't talk about, they're not talking to us about how oh, your eyes or what you need. It's oh, your, your granddad came. Oh, we love your granddad. He came in and he chocolate bars and this and that. And it is interesting because the way that he shows affection is, is different than you and different than other people. And I think that experience and the reflection, even with dealing with players, dealing with people, is that people have different ways of showing that they care, showing that they, they want the best for you, showing that they love you. And I think it's it's a really, really powerful thing to, to understand that people operate in different ways. Now, I'll move on and it's similar with values this this question is follows along the same path now again those that know us in december we had our our family dog uh jack put to sleep he's actually in the background behind you and since that's happened uh, we've had presentations delivered where you talk about the values that he taught can you share those with us Sure. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Well, first, we need to establish our values. I mean, we talk about them, and primarily, your values show in an action. And uh, when Jack was born on the uh, the nineteenth of December two thousand and four, he didn't just arrive. He came with a, a bump, uh, the little fella, and. He covertly and overtly taught so many lessons, which when you have, for those that have got dogs or animals, which they love, which we cared so so much about Jack. When we had him put down on the 21st of December of past year, uh, suddenly when you reflect back and start to consider the things that not are only missed, but what values did he hold and what did he teach you you, I'm referring to you and your sister, and what he taught us as a family. And uh, the values that were very near and dear are uh, very close to home and in relation to to how I have my beliefs and what I value in life. And sincerity was one of them. I think uh, with Jack, you know, we look at that and anybody that's got animals, they're just so sincere. They have that rawness but uh, equally they're, they're very very they have this candor this open honesty which you just know that the present so so sincerity was one of them and and the other thing which the other value which I think was very close to us and there are many more but for sure the three that came 
come close and hit, hit home. Uh, he was honest. So he had sincerity. And he's brutally honest with the situation. Or you know, when we're working with players, I think there's that. You can be honest, brutally honest. Where you, you get asked the question, how's your son, how's he doing? And you can be telling them he's the rubbish. Or, and I think that could be a bit raw. Uh, there are slightly different ways and methods in getting their honesty out there. And Jack was subtle around it. If there was food on the table, he'd be honest and he'd go and take it. He'd be in there and right in front of you. But when we're talking to parents or we're talking to players and they ask a question, certain things, we sometimes need to be subtly honest around, around how we actually impart our language because it influences in such a way which is profound. So if I ask the question, how is he doing? You know, you can be brutally honest and tell him he's not doing very well. Or you can be, you know, you can be subtle, honest and share with that individual. Or you can throw a question back and, and a question may be, how do you think he's doing? Uh, or how is she doing? And the other way in going about doing that is there's a lot of work to be done. And these are the areas that I believe they need to be improved. So you can, you know, you can be brutal. And so, so Jack's honesty was for all, all to see for anyone that met him. And then the other thing which, the other uh, value that he taught was being authentic. So Jack, being a West Island terror, didn't know whether it was a, a giraffe, a rhino, a lion, a snake. A mouse, Jack, was just Jack. He was just authentic. He didn't know whether it was a dog or anything else. But from every single pore of his body, from every cell, every muscle, every tendon, every single part of his soul, he was just authentic. And uh, I think for those who've got dogs or got animals in their life, that's that's what you get. And I, And I align that with people you know we we've we lived those values and we live them by an action then people know you don't have to explain them you, you can be sincere and honest and just be authentic just being thy authentic self and that's what jack did he taught us that and i think he did that in such a way where he was just a subtle little character which uh, all animals teach us so many little things but it's only when you you look back on those times and you reflect on on those uh, moments and you yeah so that's what he taught us and as a family he's I think that they're, they're really good values to live by mm, absolutely which leads me to the hidden school so we uh, we picked when we picked him up we picked him up never forget that but I don't think we had any idea of what would be taught over 16 years now you've you've been known to talk about the hidden school and there may be a lot of people that don't know what that is. So what is the hidden school and why do you believe that's important? How does it relate to this? Yeah. So that's a good question. The hidden school is their opportunities. So if you have a closed mind and you have a belief that things can or can't change, then that'll be it. There's nothing that can be done. That's how it is. But, when you start to open up and be very curious about opportunity and 
you start we start thinking slightly differently. We come from a slightly different place where we get ignited by an interest and opportunities everywhere. You can be in the lift, you can be in Tesco's or a shopping mall or walking down the street and you know, that opportunity is is, is is the hidden school. It's it's opportunities are everywhere if you're looking for them. And when you're looking for them, it just so happens there's a portal of opportunity will arise and it just drops on your lap. So for those that are, if you close mind and things are not happening or you don't believe that things can change, then guess what? They ain't going to change. But if you're, if you're open and receptive and you've, you've got something that ignites an interest and you throw out some questions out there, what will happen is the, the universe will provide. It'll open up an opportunity and it'll come when it'll happen, uh, just in opportune moments. But if you're not ready for things or you're not, you just don't think it's going to happen, it just won't happen. Plenty, plenty uh, opportunities out there. So the hidden school for me is those hidden opportunities. I mean, that ability to change what you think about because when you change what you think about or what you think about changes the way you feel and when you change the way you feel then these opportunities can be uh, they can be monumental so the hidden school for me is something where opportunities everywhere because it's it's amazing what can happen I can refer back to when we first wrote the first book uh, that opportunity came around when you and I were down in London on a course and on the 18th of May 2019 I rang you up and it all came through, through a, a thought and then from there we then met other people that helped us on our path to get the book out there a lot quicker than what we first envisaged mm. that all occurred through the hidden school and two years down the line I'm interviewing you yeah, quite a, an interesting experience. Yeah. Now, on the back of that, so we talk about influences, what's influenced you, so family, Jack. But I don't. I think it would be amiss of me to not, men, not mention the amount of influence you've had on other people. And to be honest, I wish I actually had some quotes with me of what people have said. I had a message on on Twitter about a month ago that said, your dad has been the big influence in my life. And I've had so many of those over the years, so many, where people reach out or I'll meet somebody through yourself and they'll just they'll basically say the same thing. It's been the biggest influence on my coaching career so far. But having positively influenced so many lives over the years. Was there a specific point where you realised coaching and impacting others was the path that you wanted to go down? Yeah, I don't look at it as though, you know, people may say that those, the kind words, they just, I find it difficult to actually, uh, not to listen to, but I just think as it should be normal anyway. But initially, I, I've always cared for people. I think there's an element of what you mean by care, but genuinely wanting to help. So in 1981, I, I worked at a soccer camp in the States, in uh, New Jersey, Trenton, uh, New Jersey. And 
I love the experience and I loved it so much just working with people, working with young players. I thought it was pretty good uh, at that point. Although when I reflect back, I was probably wasn't very good. I was probably stoking my ego because it was an element of power that I had and had over. I was in charge and I, I enjoyed that part of it and I still do. I like, you know, I like uh, I like responsibility and I don't need to be micromanaged. So it all started in 1981 when I first had an experience coaching a group of young players at a university in the States. And then I came back and came back to the UK and in England, which is where I live. And I, I decided to go on, yeah, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to get some coaching qualifications. And from there on in, you know, I, I, I can't go any higher in coaching qualifications uh, now. Uh, I think I think there, there are certain courses that are being built, but I don't believe there are any courses that would actually help, you know, from my experiences I'm referring to now of having the mentors that I had in my life back then. But I love the experience and, you know, I've gone on to coaching uh, over over many, many years and what I've developed from there are my, my own personal life skills and my coaching has evolved uh, and, and my, I think my character has evolved with it as well. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful time. Well, what is it then that fuels your fire? You mentioned you think that's mm. what should be happening. What fuels your fire to keep helping others on the journey? Yeah, helping others realise the potential. That, that's what fuels my, my needs and it, it meets it endlessly. You know, I love the feeling of knowing that I'm helping others grow. I like the uncertainty of not knowing how things can pan out. I think that's important. That that gives me a buzz. But I, I just know it, I know it will pan out because if I don't know the answers, I'll go and find them. If I don't know, if I'm not the person to be a help, then I'll provide a an opportunity for someone else to come on in into their life to to push them on. So. I think most of all, what I do love is the interaction and the connection that comes from the human interactions. So that in itself helps to fuel it. That's the important part for me. What I do get is the, you know, you mentioned something a little earlier on about the significance and the impact that that can have. And we all need a pat on the back, something to tell you that you've done well. And again, it's something that I think people could do better at. We, we just look at, look at an outcome, but we actually don't want to resolve or actually want to make people feel better, to make them feel good. And when you make people feel good, they want to do more and more and more of what, what you're praising them for. So helping others to realise their full potential is, is something that, that's a driver for me. That certainly helps me to, you know, to keep going. I also feel that the the players that I work with, even though I'm three, four times their age at times, some of them, they make me feel young. I hope that continues. I certainly don't feel like I want to go anywhere. Yeah, let's put it that way. Hopefully not. So when, when mentoring, when impacting other people's lives, what importance do you put on listening? And at what point do you know when to step in? There's a, there's a lovely quote, really. I don't know where it came from, but it's... Listen purely and explore deeply. Listen purely 
explore deeply. So in other words, we must first listen to understand. Then we must engage in a conversation that actually helps the listener, the learner, or helps the person that you're working with to mentor or guide or become a, a thinking coach or a guiding coach or a critical friend is, is, uh, is mentioned. Uh, I think it's important that we listen first because that's where the information is. There's no point in imparting knowledge or imparting an understanding of something. You're not what's required. So listening in silence and actively listening as opposed to trying to butt in and interfere with someone else's interaction is important. There are on occasions where you need to do that, where you've got to change the subject because it's going down a different avenue. You've got to listen. You're going to be missing some valuable content that you might be able to regurgitate at a later stage. That's the importance of listening. At what point do you know when to step in is when someone's gone silent and you're giving them the opportunity to, to either finish the sentence uh, completely because going in silence, that pause, that immediate pause can actually help to collect another uh, another idea or uh, another thought may flush through the through the, the the mind and they come up with something that can be profound so profound they're coming up with their own answers just by being in silence uh, or just by listening pauses or a nod of the head in acknowledgement of certain phrases or sayings can also help and assist it's actually being tuned in and having the sensory acuity where a sufficient amount of sensory acuity where you're listening uh, with intent and watching profusely to what's going on in front, being with them. You've got to be fully present with someone. Otherwise, if you're not there, where else can you be? Uh, if you're not going to be fully present, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Now, having been mentored yourself by the great Dick Bate, who our first book was dedicated to. And since then, having mentored numerous successful players, athletes across different sports, managers, coaches, people in business, the list could go on and on. How important is it to utilise mentors in our own development as people? Yeah, I think it's it's vital. And we mentioned a little earlier about the hidden school. You don't know where those mentors may come in from you. They may pop into your life and if you're ready for them, they'll be there. So the importance of having someone in, in, in our life that can actually help direct us or even someone that you can just vent is, is, is so important. So, And there are many different types uh, of mentor can engage with you at a, at a level where they can actually transport you and take you to a, a different level in your own business. And then you'll have, you'll have life mentors that will be in your life and all they've been is your friends. And that's, I'd like to think that's where I've become with many of the people that I work with. I would always implore and advise whoever wants to help improve and I dare I dare everyone uh, who listens to this to to go and find someone that they're out there uh, they're waiting for you you just probably not asked yet 
But I know you got some mentors out there, Davey, which you might be able to share uh, who have come into your life. Yeah, and and the ones that I have really came out of pretty much came out of nowhere. It it was one in particular, and you we talk about the hidden school. It would have been in 2012. Now uh, we were in press, and I'd actually been in in the states. I'd come back home for a month, and and we were in Preston. Or we weren't even in Preston. We were outside of Preston, really, in the middle of nowhere, in a hotel. You were delivering a course, and I remember talking to the CEO of the company that you were delivering the the, the course for the weekend course, and he goes outside. He comes back in, and he says, "I've just met somebody from." North Carolina, which just happened to be where I was moving one month later. And we're in the middle of nowhere. I, I, I didn't believe him. I've told him I'm not, I'm not having it. No chance. And he passed on. He said they'll, they'll meet us in the bar afterwards in the hotel bar. So sure enough, we went into the bar afterwards and there were two gentlemen that were sat in there. A third one had actually gone to bed because at this point it was pretty late. But of the two guys, one of them sadly has passed away over the past couple of years. But one of them, since 2012, we've spoke pretty much every month. Sometimes we speak every other week. He's in his 70s. I I consider him a friend. So he's he's considerably older than I am, but it's a friendship. But I know that in terms of advice, mentorship, etc., he's there and I, I could trust him with my life. And that was just out of a, the, the most random meeting that you could imagine in the middle of nowhere to now being somebody so close to me. And he knows that um, his wife is aware of it too. And the, there are many others. There, are, I've got four, really, four mentors that, that I speak to on a on a regular basis obviously yourself we speak every day so that's that's the biggest one that I've had an impact on my life from from as early as I can remember and then the other ones come in as as life goes on and they, they all provide great advice they all have a great listening ear and the nice thing is they're also all there to tell me that if I need to step up or I need to do something better than I currently am, they'll tell me. Uh, and that I value as well more than anything because I don't want it buttered up and it me between the eyes, tell me as, as, as I need it. And it's had such a profound impact on my life as a person and continues to do so as I p- progress as well. Now, I'm going to move on as well from that. While you continue to impact so many lives and you share your knowledge and wisdom and Obviously, on this podcast as well, you've done so, which is is funny because normally we're the ones interviewing others. You've, as we've spoke about, we we wrote the book, which became a bestseller, and we now host the podcast where we are fortunate to speak to outstanding people. And for me, it's one of the best learning lessons I've I've had because we're continually speaking to and learning from and taking things from these people that have achieved so many different things in different aspects of life. How was the book, the first book, the one that's about to be released and the podcast helped you grow and develop as well? Well, the first book, Goldust, how to become a more effective coach quickly. 
as uh, that's changed my life. That provided a, an element of drive for me to get me out of bed. That that was it really did excite me. And you know, the second book now, The Lone Wolf, is also doing similar, but not to the same extent because the the first book is, as, as you rightly know, is dedicated to my uh, good friend Dick Bate, uh and 10% of the profits from and the proceeds of the book go to the Giles Trust, which is the brain tumour fund which looked after uh, Dick in his latter days of life. So, yeah, the podcasts, which which have been brilliant, they've been fantastic CPD for us, continual personal development, and every one of them have been great value for us. As that's been priceless. So if we had to pay for all of this, David, it would be an absolute fortune to go and spend time with Greg Levine, uh, Permoter Secker, of course. We've had Mark Williams, the Professor Mark Williams, Mark Bennett, Liam Scully from Lincoln City Football Club. We've had Justin Albrook, uh, who's now in the NRL with uh, the Gold Coast Titans. If we had to pay or to go and visit all of these gents, Gordon Lord, of course, which I can't forget, who's, you know, we speak about mentors. These are people that are, they're priceless and so it's been a brilliant experience working with you but equally it's it's filled a gap it's filled a void where little seeds of information that each and every one of our guests have provided we just plant some of those in somewhere and we're we're enabling others to well we're liberating others we can liberate others to become better at doing what they do then i think as it's been a a very worthwhile experience, and but from a personal point of view, it's, it's been it's been wonderful. So good, you've been enough to pay because you'd have had to put the. I think you might have had to put the house back up for sale. You'd have had to uh, remortgage the house or sold it, and in order to to pay for the value that we've got from the people that we we've been fortunate to speak to. Um, last question, final question: If you were to describe yourself. Or if you were to want somebody to describe yourself, what would you want them to say? Honest, honest and sincere, uh, and authentic. In knowing that you and your sister are happy and content in your life makes me makes me fulfilled. Uh, so yeah, I just think just being honest. I'd like people just to say that. Uh, that's how I feel. And. Definitely trustworthy. Obviously, a little bit of a different different interview today because instead of getting a, a guest on that we interviewed, it was get the host on for the other host to interview the host. Uh, mm, but interesting. I know it's it's been, from my side, I think those that, that have listened to other podcasts that we've featured on and that, that know us know our relationship and my thoughts about you and and the the impact that you've had on my life is obviously bigger than than anybody else and by quite a considerable way um, and I, I i know that i'm unbelievably fortunate to have that and with with my mum as well so it's been great to to ask these questions and get you on the podcast because we've had some outstanding people on so it was only fitting that we get you on to celebrate the podcast being out for one year and um 
I know people will, uh, will take a lot from this one and then moving on, you'll, you'll be back to being the co-host. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, thank you. And uh, as always, I think you, you know it, that uh, I love you. And uh, you continue to be a, a shining light for me. But I'm more excited about you and your sister's life more than my own. So um, yeah, I'm very, very privileged to be in this situation. So, yep, thank you very much for that. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast and also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you, everybody.